You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. I give up. I don't have anything to start with. You never want me to start, so it's all. I, uh, and here's A Scully. There you go. <laughs> we already did that. That part played before this. What did? The uh, intro. Not that part. You didn't say what I just said. All right, it's Sunday, September the 5th, 2010. This is after the show number 138. Is September the 5th already? Is it actually 138 or did I not change it? Who knows? We'll go with 138. It is 138. Uh, and uh, the movie we're going to be looking at uh, this week Do is... Do we need to put someone else on the task of yeah, the, the template every... <laughs> oh, right. That's not going to work. So um, the movie we're looking at this week is uh, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time on Blu-ray Disc. This is a 2010 movie, 2010 Blu-ray release. It will be available in North America Tuesday the 14th of September. So another week, I would say. Um... This is available on Blu-ray and DVD, but the version we're looking at is the Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy combo pack. So it's a three-disc special edition. Uh, and it's from our friends at Disney, and you've got a puzzled look on your face, and you're going to tell us what the movie's about. <laughs> Are we pretending like we didn't watch two movies today, so we don't like break the fourth wall of the yes. podcasting world? But that's We're special. dealing with Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, <laughs> even though that's not the one that will be in your mind right now. <laughs> Okay, we'll explain that later. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Let me think back a few hours ago now. It is an adventure set in some time when video games (laughs) were designed with heroes and um, mystical things. It's based on a video that's game. The best, that's the best synopsis I've ever heard. It's about this it's a, it's a, uh, <laughs> mystical thing. It is based on a video game. <laughs> which, you know, if you just watch this, the movie on its own, I don't think that's relevant, to be quite honest with you. If you don't know it's a video game, it doesn't matter. The story matter. is of a young boy who's adopted by a king because he's like a... The boy's like a... What's the word? An orphan in the streets of some city, like a Calcutta kind of a city in Persia. (laughs) And then the kid grows up, and then there's like some allegation that this sort of like um, holy city is making and selling weapons to to the enemy of this king and of Persia. Sound familiar, anybody? So then the son of the king, like the proper son... And the brother of the king, i.e. Gandhi, decide to invade the city, claiming there are, let's just call them weapons of mass destruction, shall we? And then in the process, we find out there is something mystical about the city. There's a princess and the, the rogue kind of adopted prince goes on this journey that he finds a, a knife that has a thing in the thing. It's not and a handle. The, it's the dagger. Is a dagger, and it's got some sand in Sands it. Of time. Sands of Time is the name of the movie, so you can kind of figure out. Um, There's also a video game called The Sons of Time. Right. It's quite an adventure. I mean, it's like they mentioned the exercise. I even thought it when I was watching it. There's a there's an attempt, we'll call it a small attempt, at some sort of Shakespearean or classical theme of brother... King yeah, of the bro- brother of the king and the brother of the next in line to be the throne, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And I think we should break it down in the bad and then the good. All right. Of the movie. Let me. Let's you go uh, with the bad. All right. I, I have quite a bit of good And I'll stuff. elaborate. All right. Yeah, we'll start with the bad. All right, the bad. A. <laughs> we'll start with the bad. Okay. I'll start with A and then I'll go with two. Okay. So, A. Persians in Prince of Persia, The Sons of Time are all from London. Cockneys. Oh, absolutely. Why are they all Cockney? Chimney sweep Cockneys, even. Almost. Mm. Um, it kind of comes and goes with a couple of them. But on a preface of that, uh, that being bad, and I was like, I kept thinking to myself, why are Persians British? All yeah. of them. Including American actors who have been told to sound British. Yeah. But B, on the swap side of that, I actually quite like Jake Gyllenhaal's English accent. I was surprised. Because I thought when he opened his mouth, he was going to be American. Because everybody was, you know, this Ben King's Kind of their own thing. Everybody was their own thing. And when he opened his mouth, I thought he was going to be American. And then, for the first few lines, I was like, oh no, he's going to be a shitty British accent. But he actually did alright, so... It's kind of a weird twist on the thing. Because normally we complain that someone who's British is forced to sound American. Or if they're Australian, they they need to wipe away their accent in order to be in a part that is that could be anything they don't have to be american or in the tom cruise case in the hitler one ah yeah that where was... he started speaking Balfour. german and then it yeah. just turned into just yeah. a normal american accent there was no even german attempt no it's always taking the piss out of that or we're making fun of that all the time and it's really irritating and this one we've got an american who's now doing a british accent because everyone in the cast is British, but they're actually all supposed to be Persian, Persian which is, you know... Which would like be a, a different language. Yeah, it would be like, you know, uh, Middle Eastern, yeah. some language. I don't know. It would be a language we wouldn't understand, Persian. so they're not going to make a subtitled um, movie. But they don't even attempt the... Why don't everybody I don't, have the accent? I don't understand why they said to everybody be British. I don't get that. You, you, everyone you is, might, except for him, I You think. might as well have said just be what you are, like, because yeah. it's a mixture of people. So I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it, because it would have took some it's effort. It's like this. Someone in a boardroom goes, oh, you know, we've got American, we've got some British. Sounds so we more better, We better, better have them all sounding British. Hmm. No one attempt, no one raised their hand and said, how about if they all have a Persian accent? Like, I don't get that. Whatever a Persian So that's one of the is. bad things, because it's really distracting to me. A Persian accent could just come across as offensive, though. Could be come across as Americans and British people trying to make Middle Eastern accents up. There's another, that's, okay, now it's my turn for a bad I agree with the questions of why are there zero, from what I can tell. Maybe there's a couple actors, not just extras, key players who are actually Persian or at least, you know, represent that part of the world. Because we're talking about all British people here except for American guy. Without, it doesn't even seem any heritage of... Who was that black? What was that black guy? He was he American. He seemed African because they were saying. No, I mean, I don't mean. I in mean the, the movie. Actor. Right. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't recognize guy. him. I didn't um, recognize him. So that's one of the things that. Yeah, it I wasn't understand. an international cast. You can't make a Bruckheimer movie with Disney and have it all, like, um, actually represent and the ethnic That is not what this represented. movie is at all. Exactly. Anyway. It's, it's an action movie. It is an action movie, and. That brings me to my next negative thing. I don't like movies. You have it has a, a serious undertow. I mean, it has a serious story. Yeah, it does. It has a quite King's an involved brother story too. who wants, of course, to take the reins. It's not a brand new story. I it's can't not actually a shallow story. To no, be no, it's you good. Know, some of these kind of movies. Um, what did we see the other week? Clash of the Titans. Yeah, it was fairly, fairly empty. 
this actually has threads to it, which it while does, they're not taken gets, advantage of fully, they are. They're there. not taken advantage of. This is another thing. It there's too much comedy thrown in. Yeah, but then that's a Bruckheimer thing. Yeah, but like, there again, the comedy that they throw in is not particularly funny in this one. No, not at all. It didn't really make me laugh much. There are a couple of like, uh-huh, you yeah. know, you kind of roll your eyes Just and cheeky, go. Like. But it it straddles the line too much of action drama trying to be dramatic with the story and then put, putting in those little one-liners and bringing it like oh, everyone acts a bit modern there's no classical yeah there's definitely that including and the, the camera is, the camera gotta, acts a bit modern yeah you I gotta think. go one way or the other and it it's a you know mishmash I mean? of a lot of things. yeah yeah it needs to be it needs to really firmly it's like be a planted. music video in parts where you said Clash of the Titans was too serious I liked it for that I liked it because they didn't shake it up with a bunch it had just the tiniest hints of humor, kind of, to mm. lift up a, a couple of moments, but not so much like that you're going, okay, okay, I get it. You're trying to be funny. Ah, you know. What else is negative? Not much for me. Cause no, I, there, there was, uh, those were the biggest things. Ugh, CGI. Every time there was sand actually involved, it looked really shitty, in my opinion. Uh, I didn't have any problems with any the of it. The sandstorm, the no. sand, the moments of time thing. It all looked really... Like, he was all video gamey looking and shit. I kind of liked that because it reminded me uh, of the I game. I didn't like, at all. And I'm... The you know, I played every game, like, so... looked like, actually, a still photo of a bunch of sand that they pasted over the front of the film. I mean, that kind of stuff, you know. And then the, my final... The ending was quite spectacular. To be my honest. final... Uh, don't talk about the end. My I'm final, not talking about the end. Uh, I'm talking about the special effects in the end there. Right. Oh, I disagree. No, I liked it. Wow, because I was like, oh god, it, I had to it, like divert my if eyes. If you played sometimes. the game, you will be thrilled. Right, see, with that but sequence. I didn't, and yeah, so that shouldn't well, be my frame of reference. My no. frame of reference is watching the movie, and there's so much shoddy. But let me say, if you've played the game, you'll be thrilled by what happens and what, how it looks, really. Because you know you're used to the game. right? Oh, I disagree. Because I think is it's a movie. Over and above what the game looks like. Yeah, but it's not a game. It's a movie. I know it's not, but that what I'm saying is it's if not you like are going, a fan look. Of I just game. played Pac-Man, and now I'm watching this movie, and this look, movie looks so much better than Pac-Man. I'm saying if you're a fan of the game, you'll see it in a different light. I think you should have higher expectations, to be honest. But that was my and the last final thing that to me kind of drove me a little bit crazy on the negative side of things is the looping. Again, with the looping and the not matching the sounds of the atmosphere. Looping is when they go in the studio after they've filmed the There's scenes. There's a lot of that in this. And they do their lines and then I mean, everything matches fine. There's one moment, though, when she's talking and the camera's from behind her. She's talking, 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 and her mouth isn't moving at all. There was one moment I was like, oh my god, that's so irritating. But they, it is it's another one of those where the, the sound mixing maybe was the problem. The voice is so up and above as if they're in a, in a room like this. And then they're walking down the market in the middle of a, a city. And it just, that kind of distracted me quite often, actually. But those are just kind of superficially things. So now you can start with the good. The good was, I think it was a faithful representation of the video game. And the video game, The Sands of Time, is not this movie. It's not even the same story. Um, and the video game, The Sons of Time, isn't the best Prince of Persia game. Prince of Persia is the best Prince of Persia game, which was from 1980-something. The first, pretty much the first, Jordan Mechner did it, a British guy. Pretty much the first side-on, um, scrolling, adventure game. It wasn't just a platform game, like Mario. It was in that perspective. 
But it was an adventure game. You. What's the difference? Of what? What's the difference between just a side-scrolling game and an adventure game? I'm saying there is no. Di- they're both side-scrolling games, but one's an adventure game, one's a platform game. This I one, know, was, this one wasn't about jumping. It was about exploring the different rooms, finding things, solving some puzzles, and um, some combat. But it was the first time it had been done. You know, it was really like, oh my god, you have to solve a puzzle like in a like Mario. There was no puzzle. You just ran along and killed stuff and. Right. Prince of Persia, you there was here's a door, here's a handle. You've got to open the door, you pull the handle, the door opens, but then it slams closed again immediately. You've got to solve a way of keeping the handle. You know, those kind of puzzles that we take for granted now because they're in every game. But it was like the first time those kind of things were used. So it is a monumental game, Prince of Persia, the original. Um, the Sands of Time was kind of like a reboot of the franchise about three or four years ago, where... Jordan Mechner hadn't made a Prince of Persia game for a long time and came forward with Ubisoft and they made a brand new next generation Prince of Persia which was actually pretty good it does involve the Sands of Time but in the video game he can use the dagger all the time Yeah, yeah. Like, there is no limitation on it well there is a limitation on it as in you can rewind time only to a certain point you can't yeah. rewind to the beginning of the game but um, I thought this was a good how I wanted because I was thinking, how are they going to really make Prince of Persia into a movie? Because it's like a the game itself. Yes, it has a story. Yes, it's kind of complicated and stuff. But it kind of works within a game. Like, But they did well in the movie. And then they did have scenes in the movie where it was literally like playing the game yeah, for a yeah. while. Like... Even I could tell. I've never even watched the game, and I could tell. Yeah. um, The swinging and the parkour bits. Parkour bits. And just the combat parts. It was just like Jake Gyllenhaal will be dropped into an arena or into a tight space, and he has to fight with somebody. That's really what happens in the game. You know, you get blocked in a room, you fight somebody, then you get away. So, yeah, I think they did really a good... You know, Resident Evil, I feel, did a good job. The Mm -hmm. original Resident Evil did a good job of converting something which is a video game, into a movie experience, but not really losing what the game's all about. I think this did a good job of that. And I don't think, because I've played none of these games, right? that it's necessary... It's kind of like watching a movie that was a comic book or a graphic novel, and if they get it wrong, you're sitting there going like, okay. But if, you're, if the thing is beloved to you, you get it. Yeah. You appreciate it. But if you don't, have if you haven't read it or seen it or played it before... It kind of falls flat. So Prince of Persia, to me, even though I could see game elements, they were pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. Particularly swinging and then, like, jumping across the tops of, like, camel's backs and shit like that. I'm like, oh, that's a game. That's yeah, a totally. game thing. That's a game thing. And you've played it, so it's kind of endeared to you for that. For me, it's like, that's something I haven't seen in a movie. I haven't seen that. I mean, we've seen some parkour, but, you know, there's a... And it's just, it's not always great. No, but there it, is some great stuff, though. There is some There's some stuff, stuff where um, I was like, that's pretty good. I've not seen that part. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that was to do with the real parkour guy, I'm yeah, assuming. and you haven't know. seen, like, there are certain fight elements you haven't seen. Now, a lot of the fights, though, to me, were, like, really jumbled. You got a lot of a lot of shots of somebody's, the side of their hip and the side of their arm. You didn't get, like, the full back. Even though There's this too has... too much 
up close. I was going to say, like, even though this has a huge budget, kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, another movie made by the same kind of people. Um, even though this has a huge budget, also some of the fights seemed really cheap. Yeah, they did. Like, like even down to like the costumes and stuff, it just looked kind of like chintzy. I thought the costumes and everything were really good. I was thinking the shields and the it, there was the shields, some fights yeah. that kind of looked chintzy. The clothes all looked really good. Yeah, they did, but there was some fights where there was, I was a lot of swords thinking, bouncing off of things. Yeah, rubbery so that swords was and like, stuff. Oh. And but they looked of, good. It seemed they looked really almost good. Slapsticky. Some of the combat. But then some of the combat was like... Maybe that's why it was zoomed in and cut the way it was then. Because if you look at it from a distance, you, it looks a bit, um, like, phony. A lot. Because if you know it, if you think about it, there was so much, you're like, right up on them, and you're not even seeing anything. The whole screen is filled with the side of someone's pocket Well, or I also think Clash of they, the Titans was guilty of exactly the same thing. There was a lot of fights there was in that lot, one yeah. that were kind of like, I don't even know who's fighting, any, who's fighting who at the moment. Because, like... I can see a boot, and I can see a shield, and I can see a knife, and somebody's on the floor. I don't really... You know, it's, yeah. I, I think that's a... That happens in a lot of these action movies. As far as action goes, it did... And I'm not an action-fighting fan, really, necessarily. But it felt... Everything felt like it fit the moment, pretty much. Yeah. There were, some, there were a few extraneous... Um, Knife throws and <laughs> things going on, but you know. Well, I also think this movie up, didn't lag either. I, I thought it kept a pace up, like pretty much all the way through. And it's not particularly short; it's like an hour and forty minutes. But I and thought, that doesn't mean we like lag. We like movies that are slow. We like five dollars. Yeah, a but day. this one I don't think it needed. Yeah. It, but it felt substantial too. I felt like I'd gone on a journey with them. I um, did up until near the end, and then it just sort of the end kind of turned into. Oh, there's a movie I could have recommended, Tomb Raider. Um, yeah. The end kind of turned... Tomb Raider's quite... I like Tomb The second Tomb Raider I like a lot, actually. The a lot cradle, of good stuns, a lot of good... The Cradle of Life. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was a really good adventure. But again, the ending, the... when Like all of these movies, and this is something I notice, when you're watching this kind of movie, Tomb Raider, The Mummy, this one... Yeah, yeah. Um, the very final act... You can tell when it's happening because all of a sudden they're in a room, like like a soundstage, like a cauldron. Where this is not go- cauldron, but where I- the whole final thing is going to go down. As soon as you see them in a static location, you're like, okay, this is where it's going to end. All of them are guilty of that, um, and this kind of like you say, the hook of the movie. I don't want to give it away, but the hook of the movie, what happens there at, at, in the final scenes. Doesn't really. It's not a good payoff for everything that led up to it. That's the that is the thing. Um, and I think that's why that's what elevates certain other movies. I'm not saying Pirates of the Caribbean's genius movie or anything, no. but it's it feels fuller throughout. There, are, and if, if we're talking, we're being really cheap about it and really demanding. There are payoffs along the way for the jokes, for the action, for the drama, for the character development, and then you get to the end and there's more of a, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I actually think that... The- Whereas movies like this, you just feel like... And then it gets cheap all of a sudden, and that really bothers me. The jokes in Pirates of the Caribbean seem... They flow a little better. I mean, I'm not... I don't laugh hysterically yeah, at Pirates of the Caribbean, but some of it is amusing in that kind of way. Like, I wonder what it is. Because I think Jake well, this was is good. Like, the good woman was good. She was very serious, though. I like that. And this that is about by it. the same kind of team. I mean, it's not the same director, but it's the same production company, etc. So I'm sure Jerry Bruckheimer has gone into this saying, "What we did for Pirates of the Caribbean, this could be that. This could be a franchise of that." 
And the problem comes from that too much serious mixed with trying too hard to be with the levity, right? Instead of like Pirates of the Caribbean, you have a serious, you build and it's up. it's very comical also. Yeah, but you build up less of like a serious note, right? You you do care about the people. You mostly start to care about the people. You're kind of like, you kind of get entrenched in the, uh, oh, there's like a curse and there's zombie pirates and shit like that. And, but there's no like heavy story going on. Prince of Persia, and you've got Johnny Depp, and you've got Kira Knightley, and you've got, and there's always, um, like always whimsy all the time. Whereas Prince of Persia, you're watching Jake Gyllenhaal, who we've all seen do mostly drama, and he does very serious moments when he's contemplating or looking. He looks people right in the eye, and he gets really serious. And then two seconds later, he's trying to pull off an eye roll or a cheeky. like a cheeky moment. When he does it well, it's just that. That heaviness, there's, you know, they needed to pick. Don't think he was a bad choice, other. though. No, no, not at and, all. And you know, all the way up through this being filmed, every single photograph, like, he, it was publicized a lot on video gaming sites. Here's, here's your Prince of Persia and a picture of him with his shirt off holding his knife yeah. and stuff off the set. And I kept thinking to myself, I'm not mega fond of him, even though Jarhead kind of won me over because I really love that movie. That was good. I was thinking, um, I'm not that fond of him, really. Um, so, I ca- and I can't Donnie see him. Darko. You love Donnie Darko. Yeah, I can't see him in this role, I kept thinking. I like, he is an action hero guy. He's not beefy, muscly, jumping around, jumping across roofs. What I expect of Prince of Persia. But he actually is. Oh, he is, yeah. Yeah, he, he did beefed that. up. And he did a good job. I mean, for what it is. You can't, you know, Let's go on happened. to the cast here. It's probably a okay. good, wise um, decision. Yeah, Because yeah. we're talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Who plays Dastan, the prince. Um, yeah, he's... Um, I think Action because star, the movie J- skirts J- that thing not- too much of trying to be everything, yeah, well, then he's put in the position of, at one moment, he's having like a, kind of like a Sherlock Holmes moment where he's in a fight for no reason other than he just wants to be in a fight, maybe for a bet or a competition in the beginning, yep. you know what I mean? And then he's kind of funny, and then he's kind of the drunk, and then all of a sudden he's like... I thought he played the worst drunk Then ever. he's that like, oh yeah, was really, then he's yeah. like, you know... Um, the son of a king who's challenged and and now he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders and then two seconds later he's flirting with this chick and each element is fine. When you put it all together you feel like he's being made to try too hard to be everything. Again, it, that's the thing for me on this Moon movie and I can pick on every single person except Ben Kingsley, the, the brothers and the woman. They all have the serious thread all the way through. They really do. And I like that. But everything else, it's like a jumble. But I like him a lot. I would like to see him in more... I, I like him more well. as an action person than I like to the guy from Predators, even though I like him, Adrian Brody, yeah. as an action see, person. Yeah, I don't see him as an action character right. either. And Predators didn't really change my mind for him. No, I mean, he did a fine job yeah, but it was a for bit, what it was. It was a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah, like, you felt the like... The gruff voice and stuff. You, you know? felt like... He's, he's he was not sitting really there every day going, okay, I, I want to break tough. out of being my yeah. drama man. I want to be ass-kicking. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta lower my voice a bit. Whereas in this one, he could have been 100% all ass-kicking serious. He could have been 100%, um, and I'm not a comparison person, but if you want to take Jerry Bruckheimer, Disney, and the whole action thing and say, look, we've got Jack Sparrow over here, who's a total character in every way. He never wavers. He has his moments of seriousness, but he's mostly this drunken, semi-cowardly 
hero charmer guy, right? So let's build a character who's got his own flavor as well. And I don't feel like they let this character have that. Yeah, like Pirates of the Caribbean series would not even be anything without the Johnny Depp character. I agree. I mean, that's really what it's about. Uh, And There are some other good characters, but... Sure. At the heart of it is Johnny Depp. At this... There kind of isn't a heart of it. That's right, probably and I don't the problem. think it. Yeah, and I don't think it's down to him. I think it's just no. they wanted. They're pulling it in every direction, and I, I do believe there's a lot of uh, comments going on on the set. We've got to do Pirates of the Caribbean. This is what we're aiming for. It's hyped up. It's big budget. It's spectacular. Let's take it to another level. It's spectacular. We are, we've got all these stars. Ben Kingsley's here for Christ's sake. It's it's big. It's huge. Keep like pumping it up. You know. And sometimes it doesn't... And I think it got ripped into little pieces. It's like quilted together. All these different elements that if you kind of edit, like, you know, when you say in art or in fashion or music or whatever you do creatively, you need to learn to edit yourself. Yeah. And it has such a wonderful, rich, really wonderful sets, really wonderful everything. I mean, you say that some of the costumes look cheap, but it wasn't the costumes. My favorite set was the, you know, where you go to meet the assassins. Assassins? Yeah. You know where <laughs> yeah. they went to meet, where yeah. a certain person went to meet them, and it was like a wheel dark dingy, yeah. and there was a snake. Down in the, there was whirling dervish dudes going on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That whole place was like a really amazing set. Like, in the was, market, too. I think, I love yeah. those outdoor they the market. They did definitely the get city. those sets right. All of that was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, it looked the part. Um, and I can't say I didn't have a good time, because I did. It was a... Uh, an adventure, start to finish. I would rather watch this than The Mummy. Because I don't... The Mummy never really... See, The Mummy, I think, is the thing... Is another one that, for me... Alright, let me rephrase like it. Series... I would rather watch this than The Mummy 3. <laughs> or 2. <laughs> Actually, 1 and 2 were alright for me, but 3 was really horrible. Like, I mean, I, I didn't dig it at all. I mean, what did it have in it? Sasquatches or something? Oh, really yeah, off the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Ab- Abominable snowmen or whatever. Yeah, it, it had lost the plot. Well, it lost the woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it had them. Oh, yeah. It was really it was... <laughs> it was like, uh, let's make another mummy movie, but nobody wants to I make think, one. I think I just put a finger on why the mummy movies original. I mean, I had fun and everything, but I, I figured out now, just talking about it. They have the same problem for me. They want this serious, really serious, world-threatening um, foe, right? And yet, it's ripped apart with all of the cheeky comedy. There's a formula. And, well, is of it these is movies. it like people are just super brain dead, really, and that's all they want? I guess it's okay to mix it up and have some movies like that, but that's what it bothers me about it. I want one. I want you to commit. <laughs> you know, be serious. Or be funny, or be action, or whatever it is, and, or do it all well, or balance it all. But so let's move on to the uh, princess, who's played by Gemma Ar- Arterton. I can never say her name properly. Uh, she's British. Um, she was Strawberry Fields in uh, Bond. Um, she was Quantum also in of Clash Solace. of the Titans. She was also recently in Clash of the Titans in a similar kind of role to this one. I love her. I, if I wasn't married to you, I'd be married to her. I think <laughs> she's she is super beautiful. If you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of close-ups of her face where I'm like... Yeah, wives love to hear that. But we'll, we'll get to me of being attracted to someone else later on. I am. Um, I always tell you who I like in movies. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> this lady. Oh, but you've never said. Do you think Angelina Jolie is, like, someone who wouldn't marry you, but this girl might? So you've never said, if I weren't married to you, I'd be married to Angelina Jolie. Angelina's already got Brad, I believe. 
<laughs> no, I really like this girl too. She yeah, does. Yeah, she's good. And quite serious. Yeah, yeah. The delivery. character is serious. She has a serious part. It was in a similar that, in character the... in Clash of the Titans, to be honest. The way she even portrayed it. Kind of ethereal at times. But then in this one, she's also kind of a kick ass yeah. princess. Don't take any crap. Like in this game, I assume, right? She was cheeky and tough and. She's not. She's not a damsel in, in distress. I thought there was a chick in that there one. There is, in one, in, not in all of them, but that one in particular, there's no chick running around with him. Mm. So it was, you know, you've got to have a chick in a, in a broke armor movie, right? She wasn't skimpily, scantily clad or No, anything. not at all. No, she had a cool she was covered outfit up on. most of the time. So, I'd I mean, like to wear that outfit. She's got, like, the pants and the jams. layers and the... Yeah, but she was <laughs> like, you know... No, she was really good. I like that there are more moments... I would like to have said to her, don't do that look again. That sort of like intense, smoldering, angry, but, (coughs) excuse me, whatever that look is, they focused on that a lot with her. I would like to have erased a few of those and be lightened up her expression a little bit. But then again, when you think about, she has a heavy burden to carry, or, you know, heaviest terms of the story. But I liked her. And then we've got Ben Kingsley as Nizam, um, Oscar-winning Ben Kingsley. Um, he's seen cropping up in all kinds of roles at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Ben Kingsley. He is. Um, I'm not saying it's super quality what he does in this movie. He's there for a paycheck. Let's be honest. He does his thing. Let's be very honest. When he's one of those people, I know that Gandhi, he was excellent, but then again, what would you do with Gandhi? You're not going to get Robin Williams up there acting the fool. You're going to have a guy who's going to be serious and quiet and reserved. And he did that. Now, I want someone... I've never seen him in, like, really serious, serious British movies or TV or You've never on seen Sexy Beast? No. Oh, you should Netflix that and watch it. Is it... Is he good in it? Or yes. is he Ben Kingsley? No, he's really good in it. Do you know what I'm saying? He's one of those people. He's the Morgan watch Freeman that, type for watch me. Watch that, that movie and tell is me. Is it him that makes you compelled, or has he really got the character thing I can going say on? to you, if you watch Sexy Beast, you will not see Ben Kingsley the same again. All right. It really will Excellent. change your mind on him. So he breaks out of the sort of intense... Sm- he also has that smoldering He's look that intense, he gives a lot. pretty intense, but it's not Ben Kingsley, let me say that. But he was fine. Ben I mean, there's no doubt about it. Alfred Molina plays Amar. Um... Buddy from uh, Spider-Man. Um, he plays who? Amar. Who's Amar? Ostrich keeper. Right. Buddy from Spider-Man. And also from Frida. Correct. Um, the I, from I actually really like him. I, I do I like him. I think he did a good job in this one too. He did a good job in this one, but I could completely do without that whole comedy shit. It yeah. really drug the movie down for me. Like, really bad. In fact, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, God, here but there we again, go. His character in the movie did serve a purpose. Like a... I wouldn't say a cheeky sidekick. But that's what but it seemed like to me, and I didn't like it at all. I liked him. Hmm. I liked the concept of what he was doing there in the desert. I loved that. But putting it in a more of a comedy movie... You know, it's too. I'm, I'm still going to harp on the same point. Too much of a blast of comedy in the midst of what is kind of dastardly, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what we, what we wrote down for the cast. Can you uh, scroll my uh, dealie down, please? Oh, your dealie? Honey, we're in the middle of a podcast. I'm not going to mess with your dealie. Dun, 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 dun. So this is... Oh, you're di- my husband, by this the way. If di- anyone's listening for the first time, you are my husband. Correct. <laughs> this movie is directed by Mike Newell. You're not married to a, a movie star of any kind. You're married mm. to me. <laughs> this is uh, directed by Mike Newell, who also directed uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Donnie Brasco and Pushing Tin. Quite a selection of different movies there. Yeah, um, I'll say. Holy crap. 
funnily enough, Pushing Tin was the first movie we ever saw together. How do you remember that? I just know it. We went to see it? Yeah. When you came to visit? Yeah, yeah. It was the first movie we ever saw. Is it when we went and sat in that parking lot over in yeah. the, and just uh, we got some Wendy's, I believe, and then we sat in the parking and lot. And then we went to see a uh, late night pushing tin. <laughs> That's so lovely that you remember that. I didn't yeah. remember that. Um, because you love Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, I kind of like the movie too. And I love uh, loved John Cusack. I still like him. For Not those in two thousand and twelve. No. Anyway, um, nor in that. So other. yeah, I. Mike Newell um, seems like he can... I mean, Four Weddings and a Funeral and Prince of Persia, they're quite different. I feel <laughs> like in this one, he probably had a lot more forces working a, up against his decisions. I don't see a director being able to come in with Jerry Bruckheimer and Disney and being able to really say, look, no, guys, this is my vision. I just, I think it's probably a utilitarian role. Do you not agree? Because yeah. what... what how many options do you have to say to Jerry Bruckheimer, no, I'm not doing it your way? And he's not the director, but he's going to have a humongous influence. And Disney's going to say, look, <laughs> this is how we see it. And so you're the director, but wink, wink, just do it. <laughs> you know? Right. So I don't feel like it's it doesn't represent anything to me, except it's got his name on it and he can put it on his resume. Yeah. I think I can think of a lot of cookie cutter directors who could have done the same kind of thing. Maybe I am. Um, I'm not belittling it because it looks good. It's shot well. There's lots of really good camera stuff going on. But so um, we we looked at the three disc Blu-ray edition, which I'm holding in my hand right now. Yeah. I, I actually like this cover, even though I think I make it. it you Ugh. know, and, do you so not like boring. it? So boring. No. No, I, I really like it. You like it because it's embossed. It's got a little bump. I do, but I don't Jake, generally Jake like... Jake Gyllenhaal's head is poked out about a sixteenth of an inch, and you, you find uh, that like a trinket. Anyway, it's so a three-disc uh, pack. Uh, the first disc is a Blu-ray disc, which I must say looked exceptional. Very sharp, very mm. clear. Very good all the time. Um, and sounded excellent, too. It's uh, obviously a 2010 movie. Except so for it, the voice thing. But that, yeah, that's so, the DVD. But the actual high... It was a high-def movie, let me say that. It's not like uh, some movies where we watch and go, oh, that just looked like a DVD. $5 a day, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, this one actually looks really cool. Um, so the Blu-ray, um, at first, we thought, didn't have many features. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it does have a nice menu. Let's say, uh, say that. But we, we was like, oh, there's a deleted scene. One deleted scene. And there is, there is one deleted scene called the bang, banquet, um, which <laughs> was fairly forgettable. No, it wouldn't have been if it was in the movie. No, it wouldn't. But it's it would have made a whole say, different impression. Let's just say it's not really in the Disney spirit yeah. of things. Um, but there is a feature on the Blu-ray, exclusive to the Blu-ray, called Cine Explore: The Sons of Time, which is really well done. But it's not called that when you're in the menu. All it says it's is not. the name of the movie. Don't look at the menu and think. Oh, there's no extras because there is like a huge extra kind of hidden. It's just like when you go to the extras menu and then one of the things says deleted scene and one says sands of time. Pick that one. Yeah, the one that says the sands of time and then how long the movie is, like one hour and yeah. 41 minutes. Anyway, the sands of time, um, Cine Explorer, is really a good... It's one of those um, watch the movie and when something appears, click your button for some extra facts about that with a behind-the-scenes documentary. Now, what Disney have done here, which is great, because I really can't be asked sitting through the movie again, clicking the thing whenever it pops up. I believe only if you really love the movie tons do you want to sit and do that. So what they've done, and this is something that's not usually done, is you can press your pop-up menu, 
And um, it brings up an index, which... The only thing that was missing was a play all. So that you could play yeah. all those extras, but they're all in menus. But this is great. It brings up this index, which shows you everything that will appear during the movie as a pop-up. But you can select them and just watch them individually. It tells you how long each one is. And as an amazing feature, the Blu-ray player remembers the ones you've watched and puts a star next to them. So next time you come back, you can see what you haven't watched and carry on with it. Um, And I just read on the back of the box here, I'm assuming if you watch all of it, it does unlock some stuff that isn't available on the menu, some secrets. Uh. So um, it's really well done. It's a really good way of doing it because when we go to review discs... And it always says, oh, there's a picture-in-picture thing. We end up just, like, skipping through it and looking for some bits that pop up. Well, this is a good way of saying, well, I'm not really interested in the score, but I want to see about the parkour guy. That's what we picked, parkour. We picked, like, six or seven of them. Yeah, so it's actually a really good feature. It's well-presented. Like, it kind of fades in and out of the movie with this sand effect. Um, But the play-all button would have been good. If you wanted to say, I don't want to watch the whole movie, but I want to watch all of these extras, a one-play-all button... And then, because they're only like one minute, two minutes each. Yeah, there weren't well, any. None of them are particularly long, huh. unless the hidden ones that you unlock. Out and there were over. Well, there's three or four or five per page, and it had like twenty pages of them. So yeah, so yeah, you can sit and mess around if you like the Prince of Persia. You can sit and find out everything. I'm, I'm sure it all. It probably totals like a, a full documentary. Um, so that is the meat of this disc, and I really think it's a good. It's just not publicised enough on the menu. Yeah. You need to say, like, look, the big thing is here. like Because I think some people will go, a deleted scene, is we that almost it? did. Turn it off. We yeah. almost didn't pursue it. Now, disc two of this um, set is the DVD version of the movie, which also includes the making of Prince of Persia, which is a featurette. Fairly brief. And it could be... We didn't watch the DVD... But it could be comprised of bits from the... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, is it just that all smushed together? Um, and disc three is a digital copy of the film. Um, so yeah, you get all three formats, which I am a big fan of. Disney do it, not not all of them do it. But I'm a big fan of paying the same price and getting all three versions, because... Like I said... Because you might be one of those creepy families in the beginning who like to poke their discs into everything. With yeah. smiles on their faces. And uh, sit in shopping and the perfect carts bowl with the of iPhone and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You say every time, I feel dumber for yeah. watching that. There's a, yeah, there's a, the, any of the commercials, um, not just Disney, everybody's an offender in this Yeah, way. true. Sony, Universal, all of them. They do this really dumb, welcome to Blu-ray. Uh, it's like family loves to watch again. Blu-ray. And, yeah. It's like those commercials we watch of those crazy old, like the washing machine, you know, the, the machine of the future. Look at how like a modern that. housewife can... And she, like, trots into it the kitchen. It says some stuff like, like, our family can't believe how great it looks. Yeah, yeah. Like, they sit there and go, this looks great, doesn't it? You know, yeah, like, it's You say weird. that. Yeah, but I, I'm sure... Not like that. This shows you, like, a mother look, with the kids. I can imagine them all sat on the couch. With that fake wow, laughter. this looks absolutely great. Extra white teeth. And guess what? Guess what, kids? <sighs> now we can go down the shops and watch it on the iPhone. <sighs> so we can just... You know, it's like... Hmm. Yeah, it's like that. Too so, chipper. yes, you can do all that stuff, but I don't think people are as enthusiastic as uh, they, they make it seem. So, um, in conclusion, uh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time, I think is a really good Blu-ray release, because it pitch quality, sound quality, great. Um, actually, a good suite of extras, and you get three versions of the movie, which is always a treat for the price of one. I had fun. I can't say it's the best thing ever, no. and I won't... Like, but also, Tomb Raider's not the best thing ever, but I had fun with that. Um, the Mummy's not the best thing ever, but I had fun with that. 
You know, I, well, you kind of hate the mummy. Yeah, but you know when we watched it on <laughs> Blu-ray, you, you know when we got the mummy trilogy on Blu-ray again, and yeah. we watched them all. I actually appreciated it more than the first time. Yeah. So, because you know, I just took it as an adventure. Like, I mean, Indiana Jones. I think I like uh, Resident Evil better because it's just serious. I mean, it has the you can subtract one-liner. you can subtract the video game from Prince of Persia though. You don't have to know about same a video. with Resident Evil. I never played it. I know nothing of the game other yeah. than bits you've. Told I get, me. but but the thing is, in the Resident Evil movie, if you do know the game, there's lots of little things that only people who played the game will know. Right, but I'm not missing anything because no. I don't know them, but and I don't, I'm not missing no. the story. But I'm in Prince missing... of Persia, there's none of that. There's none of like. I've played the game, so I love the fact that they're referencing stuff, little sneaky stuff that I, I'm going to be into, but you're not. Mm. There's none of that. They kind of... It's a different thing than the game. It's just... It happens to be a Prince of Persia. A Prince of well, Persia. Well, it's not, not an atmospheric game like Resident Evil. It you kind know? of is. Mm. You've not played it. it. It kind of is. I mean, especially the newer ones. Sons of Time. I mean, it's a fully... Full story, you know, voice acted. Um, yeah. It's not just a platform game. Um, but I say, um, I don't know where to put it on the scale of action adventure movies that I really do enjoy and ones that I just can totally do without. It had enough problems that I wasn't like, oh, that was awesome, and I can't wait till it, you know, till for a sequel if they make. A I sequel. think I enjoyed I it more. It, than I Clash hope it of the doesn't. Times. And I disagree. I enjoyed Clash of the Titans. See, I think I enjoyed... But I find them to be about the same level. Quality-wise? Like, the big, huge blockbusters that came out in summer, but they're also kind of throwaway in their own way. Yeah, there's something... There's something... They're just not put together. They're not Pirates of the Caribbean. There's something about Pirates of the Caribbean. Don't know what it is, because it's also kind of... Are we all brainwashed just to like it because of Johnny Depp? I don't know what it is. It's... It feels like something I can rewatch, rewatch, rewatch because it's. I don't know. You know what? That's it. Because every scene, if you think of Pirates of the Caribbean, just off the top of your head, you probably pinpoint in your mind. I pinpoint him stepping off of the thing of his ship onto yeah, the thing sinking. and saying, and giving the guys the money. There's all and, kinds of things in it. And um, just off, you know, when uh, he's having the sword fight in the place with the kid, I forget his name, elf guy, elf boy. You know, and they're, and they're like, yeah, and they're like the spinning thing. And then there's, I mean, you skip to two and three, but in number one, every scene to me, she faints in one. She's getting a corset put on in one. You've got the commander guy who every scene there's something about him that's funny or you learning about. And then this movie and in Clash of the Titans, it's almost like it's all just getting to the next action thing. Yeah, there aren't moments that really make you sit there and go, "Oh, either romantic or funny or extra dramatic or extra." We should talk about the bro- guy who played the brother. What was him? His name? I don't know. I didn't look him up either. But yeah, he's, yeah, but he's the main British actor guy. Yeah. Both brothers. You were going to look the other brother up, but I forget. Um, at first, I thought he was Shaun of the Dead guy. No, because <laughs> he just looked. He has that kind of look, his nose and stuff. But he was really good. I give him credit for always, and the other brother were re- both really serious. Hook a brother like, up. And they had a couple of moments, right, when I'm watching, and it was pretty substantial, and, and like I, I felt something, but then it goes away because we're, we're moving on now. We're moving on to the next action sequence. So a conclusion for me, it's like a rental kind of movie, because yeah. I can see it once and, and I'm done kind of thing. It's not a rewatcher for me, but 
I mean, some people it will. It's be. fun night at the at the movies. Yeah, it's as fun as. There wasn't enough blood. That's one no, thing. but we're looking at a PG thirteen Disney movie, and we're also looking at lots of sword fights. Yeah, with no blood. Yeah, well, um, one drop of blood. Don't really bother me. Um, Did the game when have I put blood? it in context? No, not not really. No, no. to be honest, because it was probably also a T for teen or whatever you know. Um, so yeah, in conclusion. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan of Jerry Bruckheimer's stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of elements that are really good altogether. It just kind of doesn't, um, like, ah. There are me. good elements to it, but yeah, it's not, I can't say it, if I had to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, I can't say it's like a 10. But, no. But no. I, I would say watch it. It's fun. If you like fun, definitely turn your brain off kind of fun. Definitely. That's what it is. So, um, so uh, if you want to... Uh, Thanks to Disney for the uh, review copy. If you want to enter our contests, uh, you can see the site for details. <laughs> Next week's Blu-ray review will be McGruber. Wow, I can't wait to watch that. On Blu-ray disc. Um, McGruber. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying that because we've already watched it. Oh, have we? I, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Anyway, um, <laughs> movie recommendations for this week. I'm going to go for, on the tip of um, Prince of Persia, The uh, Sons of Time. I'm going to go for Sahara, which is... Dirk Pitt's Adventures. Um, Who's Dirk Pitt? He is a character in a series of books by Clive Cussler. Um, my still have, still my have. favorite being Raise the Titanic, which was also made into a movie, which I really enjoyed, but is probably poor because it was a long time ago. So um, this is British stuff we're talking about. Because I've never heard of any of that, except I have seen Sahara. I am not sure about Clive Cussler, whether he's British or American. I would, I would have to... Might be American. But he was a best-selling series of books back in the 80s. Um, Dirk. Not Dirk Diggler. Dirk. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sahara, um, Matthew McConaughey. He was who, good. Who I don't particularly it like, but he was good in this movie. It, it's, it's not um, Fool's Gold. or It's not a romantic comedy, let me say. Does your foot shaking not make this wiggle and make a sound? You've said that before, and I'm... No, nothing's happening. Uh, I'm just... No, it is shit. Anyway, um, just my second one is uh, on, a, on a similar kind of tip is... You're the quality guy. My second one on a similar kind of tip is Hidalgo, which is... Um, what's he called? Vigo Mortensen um, in the desert. All, I think it's a really good movie, it but is. a lot of people are also by Disney. Um... We've reviewed so it. desert themes here. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, desert. Well, not just desert. Desert action adventure. And they both are. Um, Sahara, very much so. And Hidalgo, also. 100%. Because yeah. Hidalgo is the race on your horse across the desert. Correct. Was it the Sahara Desert? Yes. Well, there we go. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe some other desert. No, it was. And mine are 300. The movie 300. Zack Snyder's. Because... Do you have to say Zack Snyder's 300? Mm-hmm. Why? Because uh, he liked to drop his name. like Precious, good. based on the f- novel by whatever the fuck it is. Um, 300. And I think of that because I like that sort of mythical look at history. You know? I mean, it's not... It's based loosely on, like, real events, but it's got this sort of grand... Um, I don't know. Like, comic booky, obviously. Frank Miller's comic book. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that one. I really liked that one. And, like, the concept of, like, the really overindulgent guy from, you know, the guy that they fight, the, whatever he was, the emperor or whatever with the piercings and the, 
all that stuff. I just remember I really enjoyed 300. I have to say I love Zack Schneider and I still think Watchmen might be my favourite superhero movie. Mm. It's just so different to everything else. It is, yeah, yeah. You know? And um, my other one is Braveheart because that is Crazy a Mel- massive adventure. Yeah, I can't give credit to Mel Gibson. I'm just saying <laughs> as a movie, truly has like this epic... Um, it's also very packaged. You know, you've got this overwhelming foe and the under underdogs of all time. <laughs> kind of like uh, um, Kevin Costner. Robin Hood. Robin Hood. You know, that kind of thing where you rally the masses to fight against a big foe who probably will kick your ass. But it's the point of it all, you know, and it's really epic and kind of based on uh, truth, but very movie-ish. So that's my uh, recommendation. 300 and Braveheart. Okay, so games and... That's a lot of adventure. If you get Sahara, Hidalgo, 300, Braveheart, and Prince of Persia, you're going to be actioned up for a while. And you're going to feel like you've got sand in your shoes and in your (laughs) underpants and stuff. So, um, yeah, games and A-Scully stuff for this week. I've been playing a little bit of Metroid Other M. Or not a little bit, quite a bit at the beginning of the week. Um, Metroid Other M, I mentioned last week, is Nintendo's new Metroid game. You saw some of Metroid Other M. What did you think? Looks good. I really like, you know, I've heard a lot of people. Very futuristic. I've heard a lot of people this week dissing the uh, storyline. I also heard a um, couple of reviews saying that the game is sexist. Uh, I don't agree. How so? Um, because it's by Team Ninja, so anything that's by Team Ninja is probably going to get tarred with the brush of it's sexist. Why? Because they made Dead or Alive beach, beach volleyball. Um. So it's sexist because she has big boobs? No. It isn't sexist, but what somebody said, or several people said, was there's a thread in this game where Samus, the lead heroine, um, in this game, she you don't really know much about her because she's never been explained before, so this is the first time she really has a story. Because <clears throat> the first game was a side-on platform with no voice or anything, you know, you never heard her speak even. You didn't even know she was a woman, actually. She was a digital person. Yeah. So, in this one... Um, it's made clear at the beginning that she worked for this guy and she was in the military and she was kind of ornery um, and ah. not... Will. Strong-willed. Strong-willed and one of the things is explained at the beginning is at the end of the commander's speech every time when she was in the military it was the dumb thing for everybody to give the thumbs up and she, being who she was, always gave the thumbs down in the line and it showed you a clip of her giving the thumbs down and it was always a contention and then then it's um made clear that she had to leave the military because of something she did to do with the commander but not what it was an undisclosed incident and then it shows you her leaving the army so in the game you meet the commander again on the ship that you're investigating and he immediately takes control of you and kind of makes you a... I mean, she is like a bounty hunter, kick-ass, interplanetary bounty hunter. Right. But suddenly... because sufficient Suddenly, because of him, because of his presence, she turns into this... Submissive. I only do what you tell me kind of woman. Now, some people are saying that makes this game sexist, but actually, I've not seen the end of the game yet. And she lost her parents, apparently, when she was young. 
and she sees this guy as a father figure. That's what the deal of the storyline is. Now, some people have got problems with that storyline. I, I don't get it, because it's... I kind of do, just from you telling me. Well, you're offended by it. I'm not offended, I didn't say that. Well, I'm that's saying... what some people were saying, they were offended. Right, well, if you give someone, you know, a woman, a person, a complete character that's independent and strong-willed, and then here comes a man... Yeah, but we and don't it is, know... it is clearly a man, a very strong man, a leader and commander, and now she buckles every time he says something. Well, we don't know 100%, because we haven't seen... Where it's going to go. Where, and I feel that some of these reviewers, based on the, those two scenes I just mentioned, which happen right in the first 10-15 te- uh, minutes of the game, have based the whole thing around that. Now, we, the whole story of that's going to unfold. I'm not sure why. And the incident, we don't know. So I don't think you can give it a full... Well, I think it sounds like they're attributing her independence to... She breaks free from the army, but he's kind of built her up. Because I heard the thing at the beginning where he acknowledges her kind of in a joking way. Is that okay with you, madam or lady or whatever? Princess, he calls her. Lady, he Prin- said. Princess as well. Right. She's and she old. takes that as... And then she says, you know, that it's nice to have someone think of her as something else and that alone kind of gave me the creeps like okay so because this dude values you as a chick that's a little bit irritating it i'm also, not offended but it's very clearly it, she, keeping it, her in her place in some degree it also cuts away to like a lot of um backflashes of when she was young and in the military and she is doing a voiceover in fact it's really well done it's almost like she's reading you a novel of her life but in a voiceover over the game. It's really an interesting way of doing it. But she actually says that all the events that I'm talking about, and she does make it very clear that she was so young and so naive. She, do you remember her saying that? Mm-hmm. She said it more than once, so there's something that we don't quite have the full picture of yet. Now, I'm not saying that Team Ninja are not sexist or whatever, because the head of Team Ninja was taken to court for being sexual harassment with one of his employees so and you know they they did make dead or alive beach volleyball which is not a game it's more a let's lure lure at women and take photographs of the butts and not stuff. women digital women with big boobs and fake big com- cartoony women yeah and, and it's creepy that game you've got to admit it's kind of creepy um but what is wrong with men but seriously i mean what, I'm, what I'm getting at here is nin- <laughs> nintendo yeah. And not. That, that's not the values of Nintendo. And Nintendo, um, this is the first Metroid game that Team Ninja have made. It's actually a big deal that Team Ninja were going to make a Metroid game for Nintendo, who make their own games generally. Um, I think Nintendo know what they're doing. They wouldn't hire some I don't know, though. It's, sexist it's very to... subtle. Like, you don't even get it. You, you're like, I don't see it. I don't get it. But No, I do get up, it, but I Making a female character who has her own personality, but then, of course, you justify it, that she's molded by this man. She's been, um, like, kind of groomed by this man in a certain way, treats her a certain way. To make her independent. She's not just this way on her own. She couldn't be. It has to be because of this colonel man. This guy. This dude. And it's subtle and you don't get it. And maybe other people don't. But I can see why people... I wouldn't be offended by it. It's an interesting it, concept in but a least, shooting game. I but mean, don't just pretend a, that it's not what it is. But it's an interesting... Why can't she just be the way she is without his influence? That would be my question. Well, the fact that she's ornery is not to do with him. It's, that's like a... Her fighting against him, sure. right? Um, 
So she does have her own personality. She also left and went off to be a boun- the badass bounty hunter that, you know, saved the galaxy several times over. So she is... So I guess... And when he appears, she like you say... But do we... Are we justifying that by saying um, she's, she's this strong character because of this guy? Or is she who she is because she is who she is? That would be the people's question. Like, why can't yeah. a woman just be strong without some man with his thumb on her on her button? You know. I actually kind of liked the way they were telling the story of that, and it also the fact that she buckles when this guy's around and takes notice and does what he says actually plays into one of the big mechanics of the game. Now, like in Metroid games, usually the whole crux of the game is you lose all your powers at the beginning. And then they're not powers, they're add-ons for a suit. Things that fasten onto a suit that give a missile. Right. Usually lose them all at the beginning of a Metroid game and throughout the game you will find them bit by bit, thus making you more powerful towards the end when you've got everything you can take on the big boss. Well, they decided, Team Ninja, well that's been done about five times in Metroid games, so we'll take a different approach of... She has all the powers, but the commander, who is in charge of the pos- of the... Um, platoon which she gets involved in again is the guy who tells them what they can do and what they can't do so he says okay during this section of the ship you cannot use your missiles it's a against the rules you do not use them and she takes his word for it and doesn't use them so that's how they've right that's how they um, artificially take things away from you instead of you lost them because it doesn't really make sense that you lost them all. Yeah, no. Like you arrive at a place and it, oops, I've lost everything. That doesn't make sense. I, so it does work a bit better in that respect. I'm actually interested to see what happens because I believe that there's a good story in there. I think that I haven't seen it, but I think just a statement separate from that is sexism is very easy to slip by when a bunch of dudes just want to cram down your throat that it isn't there. But, you know, you are playing as Samus, the lady who is badass, right? At the end of the day. She's, like... See, that's what I mean. You've got that nice, innocent look on your face like she's just a strong woman. But someone in that she is with an She is with an emotional... Um, with some emotional baggage that she's dealing with, right? Sure. Um, which, to me, is interesting to be in a game of this type because... Why isn't Dirk Commander a woman? I don't know, it's just how it is, but what I'm uh, saying is, it's, it's, inter- <laughs> it's interesting to be in a game of this type where there isn't normally anything as complicated as that going on in the background. She's, You've got the woman, she's got wearing the armour, kill stuff. Yeah. There's actually an emotional drama playing behind the scenes, which people don't like, I've heard this week. But I think it's. I think it was an interesting thing to do with this franchise instead of another game where you just shoot stuff. Yeah. Because I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, so... That's Metroid Other M. It's one of those games that I've been reading this week that if you're a Metroid fan, it either you either love it or you hate it. Team Ninja ruined the franchise or they pushed it in a different direction and it's awesome. You know, it's like there's yeah, no yeah. in between. Every It's divisive. So that's Metroid Other M. The other game I've been playing this week, which is another divisive title, I think, is Dead Rising Case Zero. Now, this is an interesting title because... Dead Rising was a zombie game from right at the beginning of the Xbox 360 when it first came out. I mean, it's probably one of the first games that came out. Um, It was a zombie game that didn't take itself too seriously, took place in a shopping mall, 
was pretty awesome. You remember it. Mm-hmm. Thousands of zombies. You had crazy weapons. There was bosses to fight. You had to get out of the mall. People survive. to save. Yeah, yeah, people to save. Yeah, that kind of thing. And it didn't take itself too seriously. There was really silly things in it. Like you could go in a, in the shop in the mall, pick up a fancy dress costume, put it on a zombie. Crazy stuff, you know? So coming soon in November is Dead Rising 2. But to bridge the gap between 1 and 2, they decided to do Dead Rising Case Zero, which is a downloadable Xbox 360 only title that costs $5. Now, I did get it this week, um, and it does it bridges the story. Like, the, the guy in the first one, and there's this new guy in the second one, who's not the photographer from the first one. If you remember the first one, he was a, photo- uh, a journalist who took photos, and part of the game was taking photographs of cool zombie-related incidents. Well, this one, you're not. You're a father who's with his little daughter who happens mm. to have been bit by a zombie, but there's a cure of sorts that exists in this universe called Zombrex, which is a needle that you shoot into somebody who's just been bit and then it stops the zo- them becoming a zombie for 12 hours. So, literally, if somebody gets infected, you have to give them this for the rest of their life every 12 hours. Um, so, the crux of this game is you appear, you roll up in your vehicle, it's been years, the zombie outbreak's been taking over the world, basically, they're everywhere, your daughter's been bit, she's in the car with you, you've got supplies of Zombrex, all's well. You hold up in this little town for a rest, park your car, take your little girl into the uh, safe so- safe thing, barricade yourselves in, somebody steals your vehicle with all the Zombrex, ah. some passing wanker, and now you've got your little girl who in 12 hours will become a zombie, and you've got to find some Zombrex in this weird little... 789-person town in the middle of the desert because Dead Rising 2 is going to take place in Las Vegas. That's going to be the... Ah, so it's not in a mall, it's in casinos. This is in between where the first one took place and the... and the So it's in the desert, small town. Find the Zombrex and do save some people, same as the first one. Now, the game, I finished it. You saw me finish it, actually, this mm. week. Um, <clears throat> you watched me finish it on here. I didn't watch the finish. Mm, with the little girl. The I just motorbike. saw like two seconds of it. No, I didn't see that. Well, um... <clears throat> that must have been the woman from the movie here with you. I No, you were here. I guess you didn't watch it. Anyway, I finished it and uh, it took me about three hours. But it does have some like... You can restart the game and you keep all the leveling up that you've done. So, And what's really cool about it is any leveling up you've done in Dead Rising Case Zero takes it across... When you buy Dead Rising... Mm. Two, all the leveling up you've done actually applies because you're playing the same guy in Dead Rising Two. So, if you've leveled him up to level five, he'll be he'll be instantly level five when you start. Dead, mm. That seems Dead unfair. Rising. It seems unfair. That means some everybody has to pay five extra dollars. Just no, to you don't have to. Well, you do if you want to start the game with more power. Well, or you just start the game and get the and kill zombies and get the level yourself, right? Yeah, still isn't fair. No, it's, I think it's a cool concept. Um, some people have been saying this is like a paid demo. I do not agree, because a demo doesn't last three hours. Um, a demo lasts 10, 20 minutes tops, right? This is a three-hour full story, all voice acted. You see the whole story, start to finish. There's five different endings. Hmm. I played it twice through. 
one ending wasn't so good. One ending was fairly good. One end. One ending set up for the for the sequel, for Dead Rising Two. It finished where Dead Rising Two would end. The other the other ending I got. You mean start? There, there wouldn't be a Dead Rising Two, I guess. The other way it went because it was pretty bad. So um, it's Dead Rising Case Zero. It's on Xbox Live. It's five dollars, and you can take your save over to Dead Rising. What it did for me was. Dead Rising is so long ago. I mean, it must be four years ago. It's a very vague memory in my head. I do remember I had fun playing it, and you probably yeah. remember me having fun playing it. Um, I actually watched you and helped you. Yeah. Told you Because we were trying to rescue people. And it was a yeah. fun game. Um, but it's vague. Really vague. Kind of like Crackdown was when Crackdown 2 came about. Like, Crackdown's kind of vague, but I know I like it. The same with Dead Rising. But Dead Rising 2 wasn't really on my radar. I was kind of like, well, I kind of played Dead Rising. It's a long time ago. I know I had fun, but I don't know if it would be one that I would get now, you know? But Case Zero brought it all back immediately. I was like, I want to... Dead Rising 2 is going to be in Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. This is just in a pokey town. It's really fun. Imagine what it will be like in Vegas with the whole of Vegas. Because it's not just in one bit of Vegas. you can go. That's going to be fun. Um, If a mall is... If a mall is the ultimate place for zombies, a zombie thing to be, because a mall is just everything's there, right? Well, everything's also in Vegas, right? So, because there can be a mall in Vegas, right? Uh, plus all the casinos, the hotels, and a zombie outbreak in that situation, I think will be really cool. So, um, and I think Dead Rising Two comes out in November. So that's that one. And last but not least, I've been playing lots of StarCraft Two this week. We um. Got some uh, bought a new headset for the PC. My friend bought a new headset for the PC, and we play uh, co-op. So StarCraft does have a co-op mode, which but it doesn't have voice. You have to tell them how you do voice. The game does have voice, but it's not very good. Right, there is a voice thing built in, but it's that kind of voice where either you have to press a button to talk, which I really find lame. You know, like press the tilde key on your keyboard and then speak and then let go. It's kind oh, of annoying right. when you're playing. Or there's the it auto detects you talking and then cuts you off when you stop talking. Now that never hundred percent works because like you'll start saying something and it doesn't realise you're saying right. something until So we decided to turn off the voice in the game. We decided to load Skype and just have a phone call with each other. Um which works perfectly and then run the game in the in the front. So if you want to play a game, mm-hmm. any PC game and you want to speak to each other, it's probably better to use Skype. Because at least you know it's going to be clear and works properly. Yeah. So and it does work properly. Um, so StarCraft Two does have a co-op mode. It's you and another friend and another friend if you want three versus three or two versus two. And we're, what we're doing is against the computer. So two computer players versus me and my friend. Um, like a, we have to take them two out and they take us out. Um, you can do that against real people, but we're not really up to that yet. So we're just doing computer we started on very easy we moved to easy now we're on medium and we're starting to win so i think it's improving our skills you know so starcraft 2 what i said to my friend this week it cost 60 dollars when it came it came out a few weeks ago a month ago maybe i can feel that we would play this game in 10 years time it's like really it's like chess you know like you're never not going to want a game of chess like i mean it's just chess right uh, it's a fun game to play it's 
But once you master it, you won't want to play it anymore. I think it's really hard to master StarCraft 2. Every time you think you've got somewhere and you've got somebody comes along and you go, what the hell did they just do? I don't even know what they did. And then you have to kind of learn what they did. Well, those people have mastered it, maybe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, it, I think it, StarCraft, the first game, it came out and then StarCraft 2 came out 12 years later. That game is st- was still being played for 12 years. Right. Because it's so deep. And it's like chess. Like, you could play chess forever and still be surprised by what somebody did. So that's, not, that's a company who's not afraid to make a kick-ass game. That means people won't be buying your game every year. I mean, there will be new people buying your game every year. But that person who bought that StarCraft originally... 12 years ago. Hasn't bought a StarCraft since, I'm assuming. No. Maybe, do they do they downloads did, or updates? They did two expansion packs. Right. Which... In 10 years. In, is, in 10 years. But it's not like a Madden, where every single year you're putting down your And the expansion packs weren't like... The expansion packs were brand new ads onto the story. Like, like another, you know, 20 missions. Right. So they made sense, like... And that's how StarCraft 2 is going to be. This one that we bought is only the first of the trilogy. It's all going to be called StarCraft 2, but you're playing the Terran race in this one. 26 missions. Then you have to buy the next one. So the next one will be the buying. Zerg Okay, race. I take back what I said, then they do want to get your money. Well, they do, but they, they've not even given... Like, the second chapter of StarCraft 2, they are saying three to four years. So it's not like... They're going to be wanting money off you every month. I mean, if you buy StarCraft 2 now, you can play the multiplayer forever. You can play all three races. You don't need the add-on packs. Right. So, no, I think it's really good value. It might cost $60, but you've got the online. It has achievements. Um, it has the awesome storyline. 26 missions. Each mission lasts about an hour and 20 minutes. So that's a pretty big game. Do you believe that 10 years ago you didn't even know what achievements were? No, and now everything has achievements, doesn't it, really? I mean, even, like, Plants vs. Zombies, like a small Flash game, has its own achievement system. Xbox invented it. Now it is just, like, a part of a gamer's vocabulary, like a trophy or Facebook games, they've all got that, where you get build up your Somebody, points or your money. Well, Microsoft... I, I remember when we bought it. They didn't invent that. That was back in the arcade game, right? But the only difference was all you could do was put your high, your name on your yeah, high score. Yeah, but not like That was a, your achievement. Not like a persistent score Not like goes blow with up you. 50, machine, 50 bad guys and you get your name on this list and blow yeah. up. But, it, but still, the idea was, the achievement was to put your name at the top of that list. Yeah, that was the thing, high score. But like now, it's like, it changes the way we play games because I pick up an Xbox 360 game, a new one, and I'm, I look at the list, and I'm and it's like, get 10 headshots, and I'm like, well, normally I wouldn't try that, but I'll see if I can do it. You know, it's like adds little challenges to the mix, like, so. Some people say achievements are bad things, some people say they're good, but I kind of think they add to the game, because you can play the game just straight through the story, and then you can go back and try and get some extra points. That's because you're a, the cup is half full kind of guy. Correct. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and the headset that I bought was a Logitech ClearChat Pro. Um, they, it, they cost twenty nine ninety nine. It won't last forever. It's Logitech. <laughs> yeah, it won't last forever. It's relatively cheap, twenty nine ninety nine. It actually hurt my head for, for the first day, but it's actually started to wear off. Oh, good. I told you. It um, it's got a boom mic. It's got... What's really cool about it is as the volume up and down on the, on the side of the headset, you just touch it. 
up and down and press the middle of the headset and it mutes the microphone so you don't have to fiddle with the keys mm. or, or go in into your control panel to try and right. mute your mic so it's really nice um, it sounds crystal clear when you're playing in fact one of the things me and my friend when we were playing said was um, we playing with this when we go back to Xbox Live to play Call of Duty is going to sound like crap because those microphones really sound not very good just do the Skype thing you'll be at your computer yes we could do that because he'll be at his... Well, no, he doesn't sit at his computer to play his Xbox. No, he doesn't. But I could. Uh, no, you couldn't uh, call him on his Xbox. <laughs> that wouldn't be a good idea, though. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, that's my stuff for this week. What have you got? All I have is what's for dinner. Everyone wants to know every week what we're having for dinner. Tonight, we're having a cashy mm. pizza. Your choice. It's either going to be the roasted vegetable version or the mushroom and sausage. Make mm. uh, No, mushroom and uh, spinach. I was going to say, no sausage on a vegetarian pizza. So, I'll have mushroom and spinach. Okay, because we haven't tried them. You've heard it, everybody. you made us and uh, some salad. And then we got, I got yellow Oreos, but they got chocolate in the middle. We've tried them already, but that's going to be our dessert. And um, I don't really have anything else this week, because next mm. week's podcast, next week when we record the next podcast, next week <clears throat> in five minutes, I'm going to talk more about something else. My, All right, so- My trip I'll be making... Or on, or whatever. <laughs> so let me wrap this sucker up. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. I want to remind you about our websites, sidtalk.com, ascoli.com. You know what it says. I don't have to scroll it up. I wish it was all on one page, to be honest. So yeah, you remind you about the website, sidtalk.com, ascoli.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can also subscribe to this podcast. Go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast, subscribe on the Zoom Marketplace, iTunes Music Store, or use the RSS feed, which you'll find on aschoolie.com. You can email f- uh, feedback to me at aschoolie at Don't email Sid Talk, because she won't be in the country. And um, stay classy. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> because um, you complete me. What, what, what was oh it? God. What was it with Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> no, it wasn't you complete me. It was, I can't quit you. I can't quit <laughs> <laughs> And he also, you, you he also completes me. <laughs> I think you're mixing up your Jerry Maguire's yeah. with your Brokeback Mountain, which could be a good uh, Jerry Brokeback Mountain. That'd be interesting. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, everybody, because if you don't do it, someone will come along and do it for you. 